Open your Bibles uh, to Genesis chapter 12 and Deuteronomy chapter 7. If you're taking notes, write that down. Uh, find something to take notes with. Hopefully you have your worship journal. Uh, we want you to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12 and Deuteronomy chapter 7. I'm launching a new series today. And so this is the beginning of a series we're entitling Altars. Uh, altars uh, are simple, made of stone. Uh, the definition for an altar uh, that is made of stone is a place of worship, uh, a place of consecration, uh, dedication, covenant. Uh, this is where you, a place of remembrance. And so we're going to talk about building an altar unto the Lord um, because we're going to talk about what he does and we're going to talk about what we're responsible to. Did you know this? You do what you can. God will do what he must. But you got a part to play. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got a part to play. Uh, we all have a part to play. And so the four uh, titles uh, throughout these uh, sermons that I'm going to be teaching is we're going to talk about the altar of promise. That's today. We're going to talk about the altar of praise. We're going to talk about the altar of sacrifice. And then on Easter, we're going to talk about the altar of provision or fulfillment. And so uh, that we're going to get right into this and, and really see what God has. But let me just start off by uh, acknowledging something. Promises uh, for some is, is a bad word because there are a lot of promises broken uh, in your life. I think there are a lot of great people with wonderful intentions, want good hearts, right motives, speak highly want to do the right thing but can't deliver uh, but i'm not talking about man today i'm talking about the promises of god and i'm going to talk about how god always fulfills his promises and and the the promise is what he's responsible for the altar today is what we're responsible for. And so I have these four, three big stones up here, and I'm going to give you three points on what we're responsible for. But I want you to start off with me uh, in Genesis chapter 12, because we're going to walk through Genesis chapter 12, 13, 14, 15. We're going to go through these chapters and the places that Abram built an altar to God. There's four major altars. I mentioned them earlier, and we're going to cover those during this series. Right here in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1 through 7 is the first altar. The Lord said to Abram, as before he became Abraham, Go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. For those who don't know a lot about the Bible, uh, the Tower of Babel just happened. Right before that, they had split up into three different directions. And this is literally the first time God is speaking to somebody after a long time. And he's telling Abram, come follow me. And he's saying, go to the land I will show you. Not the land you see, not the land you know, the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. That's awesome. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. Let me just pause right there so that we understand Scripture correctly. This is in the Old Testament, which is a shadow of what was to come. Now, the Bible teaches us, he'll curse him who curses us. There's only one that tries to curse you. There's only one that speaks against you. We don't speak against... God isn't going to curse your brother and sister right next to you because you're not happy with them anymore, okay? God is going to speak against the enemy, and that's the only one he speaks against, okay? So I just want to clarify that. Then he says this. He says, all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And we learned that last week as we ended our series, uh, right? We ended that series, and we talked about Galatians, how those who are baptized in Christ Jesus 
are now barrier-breaking people, and we get baptized, and we get covered in Christ. And guess what? Now you are heirs and seed according to Abraham. So this is the blessing, that a promise that God is speaking over to Abraham that now for all 40 of you who just got baptized and all of us who are in Christ Jesus, we're heirs to the promise. Okay? So then he says, So Abram went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old. I want you to underline that. When he set out from Haran, he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions that he had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. They set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem, and at the time of the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, this is, this, this is the next key part, to your offspring, Abram has no children, I will give this land. So now Abraham's seeing the land. God said, I will show you. And he's saying, I will give your offspring, the one you don't have, this land. And so, this is our first altar. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. This altar is called the altar of promise. Everybody say promise. promise. This is the altar of promise. Uh, it, it makes me think of all the promises people have made to me. Doesn't it, you? I think of promises, I think of promises uh, that were kept, promises that weren't kept. I think of pro my mind just goes there. It, goes in, uh, it also makes me think of a story. There was a really rich man who threw a party. He threw this huge party, this beautiful mansion. He had this massive pool, but in the pool he collected uh, alligators and crocodiles. So the pool was full of alligators and crocodiles. So as they're all standing around the pool, he goes, okay, this is the deal. This is the promise. I will give anyone a million dollars or my daughter's hand in marriage if you jump into this pool of alligators and swim across safely and come up on the other side. Before he could finish his sentence, splash, this loud splash, and he sees this young man paddling for his life. He climbs up on the other side, and everybody's like, oh, man, this guy's got to own up to his promise here. And so they walk, he walks over to him. He says, young man, do you want a million dollars or uh, my daughter's hand in marriage? He says, I don't want a million dollars, and I don't want your daughter's hand in marriage. I want to know who pushed me in the pool. <laughs> I, I don't know how some of the promises are turning out for you. But let me tell you, God has great promises for you. And it's not man's promises. <laughs> These aren't promises you're forced into. These aren't promises you're made to abide by. These are promises of God that he guarantees for all those who love him, all those who come into relationship. He's not forcing his hand in your life. He's not forcing his way in your life. He's saying, for those who come to me, I'm going to keep my promise because I'm a God who keeps my promise. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9 says this, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. You want, you want to know why that's important? Is because God, if you haven't ever known this before, God means the primary source of everything. So he is the primary source of everything. Your God is the primary source of everything. So who can fulfill promises? The one who has it all. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant. Covenant means a binding agreement of promise to those of those he loves to a thousand generations. How many know how long a generation is? A generation is 40 years. Think about that. 40,000 years. 
This is a less than 6,000 years spoken ago. God was saying this because there's not a number that could be quantified to say, my love, my promises, I'm faithful to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep his commandments. That's what he's calling us to do. God is not a man that he should lie. I got to speak to somebody's heart right now. Whether you're sitting in a prison cell, you're sitting behind your computer, or you're right here with me today, I'm telling you, God does not lie. God has not changed like the shifting of shadows. God doesn't give false hope. God doesn't give false promises. God is the God, same God yesterday, today, and forever, and he always will be. God keeps his promises. While man may not be able to keep his promise, we serve the great promise keeper, the one who fulfills every word he has spoken. There's over 7,000 promises that are spoken in the Bible. Over 7,000. 7,000 promises of God. I'm going to read some of them. Some of us don't even know two, three. I'm going to speak some. Some of you don't even know the one I'm about to say. There's one promise I don't think you've ever heard before. God looked at man. He said, man, I'm going to put an obedient, good, submissive woman in all the corners of the world. And then he made the world round. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll stop. That'll be the last one. Okay. He speaks promises over you. Did you know when you're weary, he'll make you strong? When you're feeling weak, he'll give you power. Did you know he'll help you soar? When you fall, he'll pick you up and soar with wings of eagles. He'll help you be the overcomer. He'll help you be the head, not the tail. He'll help you deliver you and save you and bring eternity into your life. He'll give you peace when your enemies are encamped all around you. Let me give another one. He'll, give you, he'll make your enemies be at peace all around you. God's promises are powerful. God will bring good news to the poor is what he said. He'll set the captive free. He'll heal the brokenhearted. It's his kingdom come. His his will be done. And when you resist the devil, you're going to watch him flee and watch Jesus come to your aid. The promises continue to speak. You're not a random orphan. You are a child of God. No, you're not just some stranger in the kingdom. Somebody start catching on that you are not just somebody who hears about some promise spoken to somebody else in some distant country that has nothing to do with you. Let me just tell you first, we do not believe in replacement theology. I don't believe that the old covenant is gone. I believe we're established on the old covenant. And Jesus came to make a new covenant with us so that we could be grafted in. And we stand on our covenant with God. And we bridge the gap with Jesus Christ to reach our community and reach the world. And us too, ourselves be reached. We are inheritors to the promise of blessing. We can't sit here and say, oh, no, 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 that's, uh, you know, that's not for us. That wasn't made for me. No, no, that is for you. God's speaking this blessing. He'll make your name great. God's going to bless you. God's going to provide for you. And everywhere you set your feet, he's going to give to your descendants. He's going he's to elevate your life. He's going to give you possession. He's going to give you dominion. There are things, promises of God that haven't been fulfilled yet. Every knee will bow one day. Every tongue will confess. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more suffering. There's going to be a day when we surround the throne room of heaven and we're all going to sing praises to God about his faithfulness. God, you were right the whole time. 
all of a sudden, in a flash, we're going to see how great God has been. God has been faithful when you knew it and when you didn't know it. God has been faithful when you least expected it and when you least deserved it. God has been faithful every time, day in and day out in your life. And somebody who's felt like God has abandoned you, let me tell you right now, you need to shout a good amen because God hasn't left you. God hasn't abandoned you. God's promises endure with you and for you. And you got to stop relying on what man's broken promises have done to you, what man's brokenness and failures have done to you, and rely on the one who keeps his word. Rely and stand on the one who establishes your footing, who establishes your direction. I want to show you three stones, because if God is responsible for the promise, and we're responsible for the altar, I want to show you the stones that are going to build your altar today. I want, you to show, I want to show you these three stones that are going to build this altar that we call promise. The first stone is this, the stone of faith. Abraham is known as the father of faith. So this makes sense. We've got to stand on faith. And I want you to picture this. These rocks up here are not light and they're not small. They're heavy. They're big, right? And if we could have gotten bigger, I would have had a huge stone up here, but I'd probably broken the stage. But let me tell you, we're standing on our faith. And I want to ask you a question. How big is your faith? Are you building an altar of small size faith or are you building an altar of great faith? Are you building an altar that says, okay, I'm not standing on, on me and what I believe and what I feel. I'm standing on my faith and who he is. The Bible says, trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. We don't live by sight. We live by faith. Abraham had nothing to go on. He had no scripture. He had no Hey, well, this is the history. This is where he didn't have all of it laid out before him. He didn't have all this history of his family and his father going to church and they knew who God was. No, they had no clue right now. Abraham, in fact, let me just shock some of you for a little bit. Abraham referred until God showed, revealed his glory to Abraham before he changed his name. Abraham kept referring to him as the moon God. He didn't even know who this voice was. He didn't even know who this God was. And guess what? God had patience with him the whole time. I don't care what you call me. I know who I am. Like, come on, I'm going to help you. And, and let me just tell you, there are a lot of people out there who don't know the name of Jesus, who don't know how to really define who God is. And God says, that's all right. I, you're, I know who I'm walking with. I know I'm walking with you. I know I'm the one guiding you and I'm helping you. And God is going to guide us through that process. But we're standing on so much more than he stood on. 7,000 promises, over 2,500 prophecies in the Bible, 2,000 of those prophecies have been fulfilled. 2,000 prophecies. Jesus fulfilled 355. And when Jesus fulfilled 355, you know what? It empowered 7,000 promises for you and I. Jesus, when he came and fulfilled the 355 prophecies and everything that he brought to fulfillment, it empowered, enabled, and enacted those 7,000 promises for you, for your family, for your future. And that's what we stand on. That's what we build with. That's what we start with. That's, what, that's how we build an altar. It's first with faith. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got to have faith. We're all looking for this new answer that no one's ever heard of, but yet the first step we haven't taken is just having faith. And I'm talking about faith in him, great faith, strong faith, sturdy faith, heavy faith, weighty faith that says, okay, this is, I want to build an altar that's going to last. When I went to Bible college, uh, my dean asked me a question. He said, Landon, uh, what do you want to do with your life? 
I said, I, you know, I'm figuring it out, man. And he was like, well, do you want to do a ministry? Yeah, I want to do a ministry. Okay, how great of a ministry do you want? Well, I want to impact the world. Okay, well, then you need to build a great foundation. You, you, want to, you, want to, you want to go ahead and impact? You want to build a great career? You want to build a great family? You want to build a great destiny, a great future? You got to have a huge foundation. And faith is the first bedrock of your foundation. How great is your faith? Build a consecrated place of faith that reminds you of his word over your life. That's why we come to church. That's why we come to church. You came to church to remind, faith comes by hearing and hearing that, everybody say it, word. <laughs> okay, I got Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. Okay, you, you got to hear the word. I got to remind myself, I got to reset myself every time I go, why do we go to church? Well, I can have a relationship with Jesus outside of church. I don't need church for all this. And we have a lot of people who love to declare how they don't need church for anything, yet their life continues to struggle and their relationship is much smaller with Christ than they they would rather admit. Let me tell you, the reason we come here is to hear the word and to receive some faith in our life so that we can then speak with faith because what you speak with faith is what you build. So you got to speak with faith. Nothing happens in the kingdom until it's spoken, and words need to be spoken in faith. James says, don't be a double-minded man. You're unstable in all your ways, and you will be found out. You know what that means? He's saying it's a man who says one thing and believes another. Oh, God's going to do it. I love Jesus, man. I all that. Yeah, yeah, the word of God. Yes, everything's good. And then believes nothing's going to happen because there's no faith you got to have faith. you got to know, okay, God, you are going to do this. God, you got to grow my faith so that when I speak, I build, I create, I establish. Number two is this, and I want to spend some time on this one, a stone of his timing. And I'm going to explain that. So when you look at this and you're talking about a, a promise, a lot of times we get into what's called the waiting game. Okay, God, I know you spoke it. At least I feel like I'm not crazy. I think you said that to me. I feel like this is from you. Come on, how many? I'm not preaching to myself up here. I'm like, I'm pretty sure this was Jesus. You, you think you're on the right track, but you're like, when's it going to happen? And you're waiting for like this moment for it to like, okay, here we go. Now I've got proof. Ha, I told you guys it was God. And you're ready to go, but you, you're just waiting. Abraham, he was 75 years old. And guess, and God said, your descendants going to inherit in this land. Guess what? He didn't have any kids. And guess what happened? He had to wait 25 years before Isaac. 25 years. I've been waiting for 13 years for a kid. I'm close, but 25 years might drive me insane. I'm like, okay, God. <laughs> you know, I, I've been there. I played the game. All right, every time Emily and I, it's funny now, it's comical to the point because we're like, every year we're like, this is our year. We're going to have a kid. I'm like, and God's like, no, not today. <laughs> I'm like, Heck yeah. <laughs> and you're wondering like, okay, God, what, what's your timing? What's your, I, I wanted a kid when I was 23 years old. Somebody say, God bless him, right? Well, you, you don't want to like 23 years old and God bless anyone who had kids when you were young. But let me tell you, you survived, okay? And, and that's exactly what I would have done, survived uh, for when, at 23. But the Lord has a timing. The Lord has perfect timing. 
Let me give you some more here. Uh, it took from Abraham, this word spoken to Abram, and then Jacob, uh, the father of Joseph. Remember Joseph, the men of, uh, coat of many colors, and Joseph goes to, uh, ends up in Egypt through slavery. He ends up being risen to the second highest man. And then his father, Jacob, plus all the other brothers get to come to uh, Egypt, be saved, and uh, he finds favor with Pharaoh. They take the entire group, the entire nation that's becoming Israel, and they say, here's your land. 215 years between Abraham and here. And then another 30 years of peace that he gives to Jacob and his sons and Joseph and all them. And then there was a Pharaoh who took over and looked out and said, who are those people? There are too many, and we need to build a few pyramids. They enslaved all of them for 400 years, and for 400 years they were slaves. That's a total, look guys, after that, we're talking about now, you're, this promise was spoken 400 30, 215 years ago, and we're still waiting, and God's saying, okay, wait, 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 and then right then Moses shows up, and Moses says, it's time to go, and they get ready to go all to get into the wilderness and wait another 40 years. So he waits another 40 years in the wilderness, then Joshua, that's a total of 685 years. Let me just ask you a question, how long are you willing to wait? For the promises of God to be fulfilled. It's dangerous for them to be fulfilled in your time. But, but it's powerful when it's revealed in his time. And God has a tremendous, uh, I, I'm willing to wait, right? Somebody needs to wait before you get married instead of rushing into that marriage. Somebody needs to wait before you make a decision to move. Somebody needs to wait before you go ahead and make a decision to say, okay, let's have kids. Somebody needs to wait upon the Lord for him to reveal. Now's the time, not in my time. How many were one of those kids when you were younger? Like when I'm 25, I'll get married. When I'm 30, that's when I'll start trying to have kids. And when I'm 35, I'll reach the pinnacle of my career. And when I'm 40, we, we make these plans, and God's like, that's not even close. Like that. <laughs> and God, we, we, we start to order our steps rather than him order our steps. And we're going to ordain our time rather than him ordain our time. Somebody in here needs to know that, look, just because God says wait doesn't mean he says no. Now, if God doesn't say go, that means stay, right? You quit turning God's period into a question mark. Well, I mean, we should try something, you know. And we're, this is what happened with Abraham. He got, he, got, he got restless. And now we've got Ishmael. And Ishmael and Isaac, the two nations, are still at war today. Because someone operates, that's why I said it's dangerous to operate outside of the time frame of who God has for you. And when Abraham tried to make his time frame work, it ended up deadly and devastating. We got to wait on God's timing. Let me just explain this to you. In Greek, there are three different words for time. The first one that I want to tell you is God's time. It's called aios. I want you to write that down. A-I-O-S. Aios means eternal or perpetual, never-ending, does not have a beginning and does not have an end. We will enter into that eternal time frame when we go to heaven. There's another time frame. The other time frame is chronos. Chronos is where we get our word chronological. So that's our decades, right? Our years, our months, our weeks, our days, right? Our hours, our, our minutes, our seconds, right? All that, that is our time frame, what we live in. Then there's a third one. The third one is called kairos. And kairos 
is a, is a God moment in our time. It's where his time frame intersects our time frame. And I pray somebody catches a Kairos moment today because this is when God's perfect. The Bible says it's, it's also the definition is proper timing, not, not a, just an okay timing, a pinpoint accurate timing. Did you know God's not a God of, oh, that'll work. God is a God of accuracy. God is a God of, oh, that's perfect, right now. No, 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 wait, 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 not right yet, now. He, did, he couldn't have them. What happened when we read at the beginning, we read that Abraham walked in there and it was inhabited by the Canaanites. Abraham had a bunch of sheep herders and farmers and children and women. He had no warriors. How are they going to take the land? They couldn't. So now God's got to prepare them. So a 685-year journey takes them all the way to where now they've got millions of people. And now Moses, this little Moses, who got shipped down the Nile, raised in Pharaoh's house, becomes one of the generals of Pharaoh's army, the world-dominating power. He ends up, by the way, Moses conquered a few of these tribes that were talked about that were waiting in the promised land trying to keep it from the Israelites. And he had already knew how to beat them with the Egyptian army. Now he trains the rest of the Israelites. He established them, Joshua and Aaron, all these guys. He knows how to make fighting men and command an incredible army. Even the History Channel does an incredible documentary on Moses that he was one of two things. He was either the craziest man to ever live, and we don't know how he did this little spaghetti thing through the wilderness in the same area for 40 years and not been killed, or he's the greatest general to ever live. God took them around the right way to say, I need to prepare you. No, no, no. I need you to wait a little bit. No, no, no. Make that decision today. I need you to wait. I need you to wait. I need you to wait. I'm getting you ready. I'm preparing you. I'm establishing you. I'm training you. Somebody's going to hear this. I'm maturing you today, and I need you to wait because the promises that I have for you aren't ready for you yet, and you're not ready for them. And as God established them, then he all of a sudden, he gets to, they get to walk in the promised land with Joshua as a commander of the entire army of millions of people. You talk about preparation and preparing, yet some of us get frustrated if it doesn't happen this week. <laughs> if it doesn't happen, okay, it's going to happen now. Okay, God, you got to do it now. Okay, ready? Now. Okay, ready? Now. Okay, ready? And we're just thinking, God, you got to do this, even with the upper room. The Bible says when the day of Pentecost comes in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, penta means 50. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, so there was an hour and there was a day that was very specific. And then when that had happened, then the Holy Spirit was poured out. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind. It didn't come on day 49. It didn't come when they grew restless on week two. It didn't come when they were growing impatient in the first hours. There was 120 people stayed in an upper room for 50 days praying and seeking the Lord. You don't think that every day they were like, now, 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 today's a good day. Now, today, now, how about today? Oh, it's going to, I mean, how many people, I've grown up in church. Oh, the Lord's going to do it. He's coming tomorrow. And we, we prophesy and we pray. I've had so many parking lot prophecies. They come up to Emily and I and they're like, you're going to have your baby on April of 2012. Oops, missed it. And then we, all these different things and they prophesy and we think and we're trying out of good intentions and good heart, but we miss God's timing because we're not 
waiting upon God. I'm not here to predict when Jesus is returning. I'm not here to predict when God is going to establish and do his work. I'm here to wait upon the Lord because the Bible says, for those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and they will mount up with wings of eagles. You got to wait on God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you better wait. And I pray I'm preaching to somebody today who's been waiting on something for years now. Who's been waiting on something for, to come together, to click, to happen. October 16th, uh, a year and a half ago, I had our leaders gather together in the upper room of our old building. And I said, okay, here we go. I want you to pull out a piece of paper. I want you to write this down. We're praying for, remember Harrison? I want you to pray for a building. I want you to pray for a building. I want you to write it down. I want you to go ahead and say, okay, what do we need? How, how big? God, what are you going to do? Well, start writing it all out. Well, let me tell you, months before that, uh, they're all writing this down. We're praying October 16th. Months before that, I was looking for a building. I went to Lazy Boy. I was like, we could, maybe we'll buy Lazy Boy. It's only $8 million. I mean, we can figure this out. We're gonna fi- well, and then it'll only cost like $2 million to re- renovate it. This is great. We can figure it out. And I'll, nope, nope, that's not. Hey, well, let's go. Okay, let's try to. Uh, look, what about the Catholic school downtown? Oh, that's only a handful of million, too. Let's figure that. We kept looking for different buildings and properties. And man, for months, we were searching and searching and searching. A few months into that, while we were searching, even in the summertime, I met this uh, man, and he said, hey, I'd like to meet with you. I'd spend some time with you. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. And I literally, I was like, one day, sure, and, and didn't, didn't, didn't schedule anything. Three weeks before we had the October 16th meeting, three weeks before that, he came to me again. Hey, I want to meet with you. I want to meet with you. I was like, okay, great, let's do it. Three weeks from now, I have time on Tuesday morning at 8.30, and I said, let's meet at Wildflower. So we're going to meet on October 17th, right after our leadership meeting. So October 16th, we write this down. And October 17th, I meet with a young man named Mel Brewster, who pastors a church in Flagstaff, who says, hey, man, I've got a building. It's debt-free, and I want it to be continued to, uh, to use for the kingdom and the glory of God. He goes, I feel like something's happening between you and I. We prayed about it. He said, the Lord is telling me to give you this property and to let you continue the work of the ministry. Let me tell you, that is a Kairos moment where God shows up. And God says, no, no, not three weeks out. No, no, what if it ha- We had to wait, and God needed everybody in alignment. The last point I want to share with you as Josh comes is I want to share with you that you need to stand. This last stone that you need to, to have in this altar of promise is to stand. I was going to title this fight, uh, and the Lord uh, rebuked me and corrected me uh, because we're, we're not called to fight like you think. In fact, standing is fighting. The promises God has spoken over to you, how do you fight for them? You stand. What are you standing on? Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church. It was the revelation of Jesus Christ. He said, the wise man built his house upon the rock. You're not meant to run. You're not meant to go. You're not meant to do. You're not a human doing. You're a human being. You're meant to stand. You need to stand. You want to know how I know? I'll prove it to you. You ever heard of the armor of God? Ephesians, end of Ephesians? It talks about the armor of God. Because armor, when you think armor, you think what? Battle. What? Yeah, protection, man, right? Against what? An army, man. You're going out to fight, right? I put on armor. I'm like, something's about to happen. 
it's about to go down. Like, you think that's where your mind goes. Like, we better suit up. So you get the armor of God, and he says, put on the helmet of salvation, take up the sword of the spirit, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And after he says, all, after you've done all this, what do you do? Go fight! After you've done all this, run! After you've done all this, attack! No, 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 he doesn't say any of those. He says, after you've done all this, stand. I don't need you to fight. I just need you to be safe. I do your fighting. I need you to stand on your altar, and I need you to glorify me by covering yourself with me, and then as long as they see me over you, no one will touch you. But I am going to go before you, and I am going to fight for the promises I've spoken for you. I'm going to battle for them. I'm going to make them happen. And Moses, I'm going to prepare a way, buddy. I just need you to get them ready. Abraham, no, I need you to stand in faith. Your place isn't to enter the promised land. Your place is to become a father of faith. Everybody has their role to play. And as long as we stand on what God has spoken to us, we're going to see those promises come into fulfillment. This life or the next. But God is going to fulfill them through an altar that we build on faith, through an altar that we build on waiting on his timing, and through an altar that we build by standing on who he is and not what we can do. Let me ask you a question. When it comes to the armor of God and the sword of the Spirit, do you think you hit harder by swinging harder with that sword? I I had a lot of people talk about how they fight with the Spirit of God. Let me tell you. You don't wield God. You swing, like you ever play golf? Golf is frustrating to me. I'm not good. Josh is good. That's why I don't like him. But I have, <laughs> you, you play golf and I want to, Josh crushes it and he looks like he barely touched it and he's perfect and it's all down the lane <laughs> and it goes there. I, I get behind there and I'm like, I'm going to hit farther than Josh. And I crank up and I get tight and Harrison's laughing because he knows where the ball's about to go. And I just, wow, <laughs> and swing like a madman. And of course it slices or hooks. Let me tell you, your strength, how hard you try to swing is actually ruining your potential. That, when, you, when you lighten up and you just let the club, y'all are hearing me right now, you let the club do the work, you let the spirit of God do the work and not you, it's amazing how fulfilling and how easy life will be. We're constantly like, okay, Jesus. And we're winding up to attack everybody because we think everyone's against us. And and no one's going to help me but me, so I got to get mine. And we start swinging recklessly, and God's like, no, you're actually doing more damage. You You need to tone it back. I'm the Spirit. Not by your might, not by your power, but by his spirit, says the Lord. That's how you operate. That's how you build an altar. That's, this is why we come to church, folks. This is why you're here today. You're not here, to, you're not here to hear Pastor Landon. You're not here to hear a worship team and become an audience and a spectator. You're here to build an altar. This is not a stage. And the moment it becomes a stage is the moment I won't take it anymore. Because this, this, this is an altar. This is a holy place. 
where people lay their burdens down and people say, okay, I've got to give this up. I can't walk out. This is not a platform for preaching. This is a place of grace where God has established for you to say, okay, come together, come together, come together, church, get together in unity. And when you build an altar unto me, I'm going to fulfill every word I've spoken over you. I'm in charge of the promise, but don't get out of alignment. Build your altar on that faith. Build your altar on my timing. Build your altar on my word and who I am and let my spirit do the work even with building a church those who labor labor in vain unless the Lord builds it it's it's you know there our church has when I take Sundays off or I took Wednesdays off I don't even preach on Wednesdays <laughs> and so it's awesome our guys Robert is preaching this Wednesday and dude the dude is awesome you got to be here this Wednesday uh, I don't even I don't even preach I don't do anything and when I gave it up, it actually grew. When I let go and I stopped trying to, well, I just want to make sure. When I just backed off, all of a sudden Wednesday night started growing. I'm like, well, apparently people don't like me. You know? <laughs> then you get insecure, right? But that's, I'm telling you, it's really what it is. It's the Lord teaching me, Landon, it's not you. Even before I walked up here on stage, he said, Landon, it doesn't matter what kind of jokes you tell. It's the anointing in which you speak. He goes, you, you, I, you could just mumble up there for a while, and my, I could do what I want. So, so do what you're told. And I, literally, right before I walked up on stage, let the Spirit of God do the work. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? This is our chance to really receive this word. Some of you need to grow your faith and establish it. Some of you have been trying to push your timing, and you need to have a Kairos moment with God. Some of us have, have been standing on the, the sand like a foolish man and not standing on the rock and letting him do the work for us. Put on the whole armor of God and stand for those who wait upon the Lord, for those who stand upon his rock. That's where the wisdom and the strength and the power and the anointing is found. If this message spoke to you today and you really need to operate in another level of anointing, and you need to build your altar correctly, I want you to raise your hand right now. Thank you for the hands going up all over this house. Go ahead, lift them high. I'm going to pray with you. Lord, in Jesus' name, for every hand that's raised here and online, I pray right now. I just want you to pray for yourself too. Come on, pray. Pray in faith. Pray, pray in the word of God. Lord, in Jesus' name, we're going to build an altar, God, because we're going to see your promise fulfilled. God, Lord, it took Abraham a little while, but God, we're ready to wait. God, we're ready because we don't want our timing. We want your timing. God, Lord, we're not standing in our promises. We're standing on your promises. We're not standing and trying to fight with our spirit. We're fighting, Lord, with your spirit and your armor of God. And Lord, we thank you that if you go before us, no one can stand against us. And Lord, we thank you, God, Lord, that we're going to build an altar every week. God, we're going to be faithful to coming to this altar, coming to this holy house. God, Lord, where we surrender and we give and we worship, God, Lord, and we become a part, God, of your promises, inheritance, Lord, seeds of Abraham, inheritors of your word, inheritors of your blessing. And Lord, I pray a blessing over every hand that's raised and heart that's open right now in the name of Jesus. Let them even see, God, Lord, today that you're going to fulfill that promise you've spoken over them. Some of them have been waiting for years. Lord, bring that Kairos moment. Bring that moment from God in Jesus' name. And with every head bowed and every eye closed now, I want to give an opportunity for anybody to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Here and online. If you want to rededicate your life to God or dedicate your life to God for the first time, I want you to raise your hand right now. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for the hands going up. Thank you for those hands going up. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand in the back. 
Thank you for those online who are raising your hand and opening your heart. For every hand that's raised and heart that's open, you're not going to pray alone. We're going to pray a prayer together, all of us in here. And we're going to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and eternity is going to be yours. I want you to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I receive you now as my Lord, as my Savior, as my Heavenly Father. I am forever yours, and I am eternally saved. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise, Covenant Church.